Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Let's, let's pray as we head into the last message of this series of messages. So let's pray together. Father, we just ask you to focus our hearts and our minds on you right now. We ask you to speak to us through your word. We thank you that your word really does cut through the issues of life and gets right to the heart of, of our lives and our perspective on just what's going on, God, in our lives and in the world around us. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask you to, to bless this time and use it, God, to help us to keep taking more steps further with you in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the last few weeks... In this series of messages, we've been looking at people in the Bible who've, who've run out towards the challenges that, that they come upon in life. We began by looking first at the courage of a young David, and before he was king, this scene really depicts what you'd see in the story of David and Goliath. And rather than caving into the pressure and the intimidation of the moment, and really the intimidation of a giant, David declared his confidence was in the Lord, and he ran out as Goliath you know, stepped towards him. David didn't back up. Instead, he ran out, ran out to meet him. And this scene actually helped paint the picture for this whole series of messages. And after this, we looked at stories of sacrifice, where people ran out towards the challenge of sacrifice from both young and old. So a young boy who offered up what he had to help feed the multitudes, to old King David after way after this scene at the end of David's life when God was asking him to lead God's people to lay up resources for the temple. David, as an older man, makes a huge sacrifice uh, as he offers to God his resources. Then we highlighted how it's crucial to obey today, just like Paul. And we looked at Paul's life and one of the scenes in a leader named Paul's life where at the end of his life as a really a missionary and a church planter, uh, he had all sorts of warnings and, and trouble and, and threats that he was facing, and he kept obeying God each moment. When he sensed God was asking him to do something, he kept saying yes to God. And great example for us. Last week, we looked at how to stay hopeful uh, when navigating the chaos of our times, and we looked at the story of Daniel and how, as we're walking through our culture, we often uh, get thrown for a loop with things and we don't quite know what to do, how to respond. And Daniel's story really is helpful for us because Daniel showed us how to respond in the face of uh, a challenging cultural uh, scene. And so if you missed any of those messages, those are all on our website. And today we're going to wrap up this series with a story about a man named Jonathan. And Jonathan was the son of, of King Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. And now, before you get the wrong idea or the wrong image in your mind about Jonathan, who is a prince, don't get the image that you probably have in your mind, you know, of royal prince where, you know, fancy dress and everyone's attending him. Don't get that in your mind because really Saul, the first king, and his family didn't have the typical royal extravagance that you might think a king would have. This was a pretty fledgling group. This was the first king of Israel. It wasn't until later when David and then Solomon would reign that you would really see the glory of Israel. And you would sort of, when you think royal, you know, elegance and extravagance, that, that's a little bit later in history. But 
this is the beginning. And so they're a pretty ragtag bunch. When you think about Jonathan, you gotta think, you gotta think, they're just sort of sewing this group together. And so, but Jonathan is the son of a king, a new king. Now the major opposition for Israel came from a group known as the Philistines. And the Philistines were a larger army with, you know, skilled warriors and weaponry. They had a larger army. They had the weapons uh, to support their army. And in comparison, Israel's army was just under-resourced, both in, in numbers and in weapons, for sure. So let's pick up the story right there with a description of the weapons of the Israelites. Look, look at 1 Samuel 13, actually, around verse 19. It says, Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel, because the Philistines had said, Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So, all Israel went down to the Philistines, they had to go to their enemies, to have their plowshares, their mattocks, their axes, and sickles sharpened. Basically, when it came time for war, the, the Israelites had to use garden tools to fight. And so here's, here's a picture of some really older agricultural tools from around that time period. And this reflects some of the, the tools that are mentioned in the passage. So the Israelites, in order to prepare for battle, they have to take their garden tools to the Philistines and and have the Philistines sharpen their garden tools. This is the best that they had. Then look at verse 21. It says, the price for sharpening, you know, two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plowshares and mattocks, and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes, and for repointing goads. This was This was an oppressed band of farmers. So that's the scene I think we have in our mind. The imagery is, is a pretty oppressed group, a pretty ragtag a bunch of leaders that wasn't greatly organized at this point. They're doing their best to prepare for war against the Philistines. They have to go to their enemies and basically say, here, sharpen our garden tools, uh, in a sense. And, and now it says in verse 22, so on the day of battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. So they got their garden tools, their farming tools. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Now you can, you can make war with sharp garden tools. We know that, okay? But it just gives you an idea of the, just the difference of comparing these two armies, okay? And sometimes in life, this is how we feel. We feel like, oh, what do I have to work with? How, how are we going to get anything done with this, these resources, this group of people, this time, the challenge? I mean, how are we going to do anything right now? And, and so sometimes in life, we just feel so underprepared. We feel like we're in way over our head. We look at the circumstances and we can quickly move into despair and discouragement and really fail to do anything at all with the resources we do have. We can forget about the resources we have and just get worried about situations in life. In my own life, I can give you a bunch of reasons why we probably never should have started this church 12 years ago. <laughs> I'm totally grateful we did. But there were moments, especially leading up to the launch of the weekend that I felt so unprepared, and I thought, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen on launch Sunday. It's 12 years ago. But I, I remember just really shaking and thinking, we've, we've done all we could to prep, but I don't know if anyone's really going to show up. We'd had a series of preview services, and we had people come to each preview service, but they weren't coming back from week to week. So they didn't like the previews. <laughs> it's like walking out of a movie after the previews, I guess, and not deciding to see the feature film. But I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to come. I called my mentor and I said, I, 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 we're spending a lot of money to make grand opening 
go well, and we don't know if anybody's going to show up. And, and uh, one of my mentors just said, hey, don't back down. God's told you guys what to do. Don't back down. And grand opening came, and, and, and God brought people. A lot of, brought a lot of people. It was really exciting. Or, or at age 21, over 20 years ago for me, I got married, age 21. And in everyone's eyes, I was too young. We were too young at 21. But I'm so grateful I got married at 21. So grateful for that. But like thinking back and looking back and what people would say is, you're not ready. You guys aren't ready. How are you going to survive? And you're not prepared. And people were probably really nervous. I'm, I'm so grateful we moved forward in that decision at that point. You know, in your life, I'm sure you can quickly identify situations, even right now in your life, where you are just seeing the risk written all over the situation. If I move forward... Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Certainly our, our church, we've been in that. Our property situation was one of those. We've been leasing this space for 11 years. And it took us two years to raise $350,000 for something in the future, just preparing that God was providing a property or something for us in the future. It took us two years to raise $350,000. And then we needed 400000 additional dollars in 90 days. And with our natural eyes, we looked at the situation and we thought, this doesn't seem possible. And so we can identify with this story. For Israel, this was really one of those moments in their, this is a defining moment in their lives. So let's flip to chapter 14 and read from 14 on. It says, one day Jonathan, this is again, he's the son of the king, son of Saul, said to the young, the young man bearing his armor, come. Let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. So he and his armor bearer slip away. Jonathan senses it's time right now for a secret mission. We're going to head into the Philistine war camp. And he brings his armor bearer, his trusted armor bearer with him. Verse 2, Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migran. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod, he was a son of Ichabod brothers, uh, Ichabod's brother, Ahitab, like you know these folks, right? Son of, son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. Now they would have known all these characters. It says this, no one was aware that Jonathan had left. So he slips away from the group, no one was aware that he had gone. No one realizes it. At the size of the group that they were, the 600 men that they had, no one noticed. You might think, well, how did they not notice that the, that the, the king's son slips away? He's a pretty big deal. But this happens. At the size group, you know, on a given Sunday, I walk out of here and I'll be talking to my wife. Hey, you know, I didn't see so-and-so today. Not because I'm, like, checking your names off of a list or anything like that. But I'm like, you know, do you see? Uh, yeah, they were there. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were. No, they, no, I didn't see them. Do you think you see everybody? you think you recognize every... I'm like, yeah, because I thought I used to be able to do that. But the reality is, then I see a report that shows the connection cards that comes in. Oh, they were there. I told you they were there. It's at a certain size group, you just don't notice when people sort of slip in and out of the room, honestly. So that's the scene. Again, we're getting a picture of what's happening here about the size group. This is not 600 people, but a couple hundred people in our services. Each service, you can, it's, it's understandable how this would happen. Verse 4, 
on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called, one cliff is called Bozes and the other Sene. Here's a picture of the probable site of where this occurred, okay, in a, in a region called Michmash. There are these, these cliffs and a pass that cuts through the cliff, okay? And so Jonathan and his armor bearer, they leave their camp and they head towards where the Philistines out, are, are, are hanging out. And they're cutting through this pass. And it says in verse 5, one cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. And the Philistine outpost was just over one of those cliffs, okay? And so they're cutting through this, you know, almost like a dry riverbed, and, and the Philistines are just over the ridge above them. They're in it pretty deep, okay? The Philistines have more than Israel has, but there's no backup plan for Jonathan and his armor bearer right here. Nobody even knows that they've left. So if something goes wrong, they can't wait on their army behind them to help defend them. And it's right then when Jonathan, next verse, verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows, referring to the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. That's a really, really interesting phrase. What he's saying. Let's go and attack right now. Perhaps. He doesn't say, certainly the Lord will act in our behalf. He says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by a few. What a powerful statement of faith in God. I love this verse. In fact, this was one of the verses that God actually used to lead us forward through our property purchase. We hit a point where we said, well, we either let this opportunity go and say we don't, we have half the money in the bank, less than half the money in the bank, and we, I don't know if we have enough time to come up with that kind of money. Or we move forward and we really hit a point where we said, it seems like God is leading us forward. And perhaps, we actually said this as a staff, perhaps God will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And we moved forward, and he did. He moved. We saw it. This is a statement for Jonathan, though, of real faith where, where there's apparent risk. I mean, you just don't know. It's saying, I'm all in. Perhaps God will come through. And in life's challenges, and this is, this is the one statement today on your listening guide. We've left it pretty, pretty clear and, and, and simple on this morning's listening guide, apart from the passage When we can't see or know the outcome, God calls us to act in faith. There's sight and there's faith. And when we can't see it and we move forward, we're in the realm of faith. This is such an inspiring picture. That's faith. Jonathan is saying, look, we're going all in. This is the stuff of legendary faith. Then look at the response of Jonathan's armor bearer. It says, in verse 7, Jonathan armor bearer says, Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. This is the point where leaders set a direction and then there's a group of people that say, We're in this together with you. Heart and soul. We're all in. Let's read on. Let's just read the passage so you all know the outcome of the battle. Verse 8, and we'll read through it. Jonathan said, Come, then we'll cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, 
wait there until we come to you. We will stay where we are and not go up to them. So essentially he's saying we're going to keep walking through this path and we're going to let ourselves get spotted by the Philistines. Their lookouts are going to see us. If they say, come up here. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up the cliff, in a sense, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they said, come up to us, and we'll teach you a lesson. That was the signal for Jonathan. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. I mean, I'm trying to imagine the scene. And what's keeping the Philistines from just you know, slaughtering them, throwing stuff at them? God's providing this protection for him to climb up. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. What happens is then, and we're not going to look at the rest of the passage, you can read it for yourselves later. Israel begins to see the skirmish, they see the dust flying, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, the battle has begun, who left? And then they realize, we can't find Jonathan and his armor bearer. And so Israel rallies and, and... God works through that, and, and Israel defeats the Philistines. Point here, one, God can do whatever he wants to do. God can do all things. He doesn't need us to have everything figured out. And when the odds are not in our favor, when I can't humanly figure this thing out, you and I, just like Jonathan, can act in faith and really trust God, saying, God, I trust you with the outcome. And there's some areas of, of your life where you probably feel this way. Parents, for for, the, for you that are maybe trying to figure parenting out at whatever stage that is, which I always think I'm going to be, I'll have figured it out by the next stage. And then I realize, nope. It just keeps getting more challenging. <laughs> but I remember being in the hospital and, and I was the with the very, with our firstborn. And the first few, you know, days, we were in there for three days. And... I remember thinking, what am I doing? Am I doing this right? And I trained to change diapers and stuff. And, and I remember and just being real careful and trying to... <gasps> and I remember this nurse telling me, hey, you know what? I've never seen one of their heads fall off. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm thinking, that was pretty reassuring. I needed to hear that because I'm thinking at any moment, boink, you know, it's just the way that you've got to watch the head. you got to watch the head. And I, I didn't start shaking my child at that point just to test it out. I, I, but I, I was worried. I was overwhelmed in the hospital as a first-time dad. And there's just this, i got to act in faith. And I, I mean, it can just feel shaky and you just don't feel prepared. Or, or for those of you that are battling something at work, maybe you're heading into work, or in a few months from now, you've got to go find work because you're a student and it's time to launch into a career. And you feel insecure and you feel underqualified. Or you're in your job and you just feel like, I don't have, I don't have the experience, I don't have the skills, I don't have the background that I need for what they're asking me to do. And you feel unprepared. Or in your finances, it's just natural to think, I don't know how to manage and steward all of this. There's just so much to remember, and it's hard to keep 
it's hard to keep moving forward in the right way. It's just extremely challenging right now. Or, or in ministry, if God, you know, God may be calling some of you to step out and do something for Him that takes you out of your comfort zone. You're going to move, God's going to call you to move out of your setting, out of your environment, and you're going to get there and you're going to feel totally unprepared. But look, you got to look to God. You just got to keep moving forward in faith or in marriage. If you're married, if you're heading towards marriage, it, it's a constant looking to God. Looking past ourselves, it takes constant investment and denial of self. It is just, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And in all of these areas and more, what we learn from Jonathan is choose faith. Just keep acting in faith. This reminds me of Daniel's friends. Daniel from the Bible. We read his story last week. He, he, he resolved himself not to defile himself by eating the royal food that was in um, in the palace of the Babylonian king. But if you remember in the story, we, we talked about Daniel and his three friends who had their names changed, right? And so the, the, you know, their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were given Babylonian names because they were Hebrews who were taken captive and taken into the land of Babylon. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you, if you skip forward in Daniel, we looked at chapter 1 and chapter 6, but if you look at chapter 3, Daniel's friends, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down and worship a golden statue, an image of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I want to read you this story because of how closely it parallels to Jonathan's story and Jonathan's statements about perhaps God will act on our behalf. So let's look at this. From Daniel chapter 3, it says, it'll be up here on the screen, furious with rage, because these three guys are not willing to bow down to him, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And basically, he makes this threat to them. Here's the threat. But if you do not worship it, this image of himself, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, I love their response, these three men. This is actually one of my favorite faith scenes in the whole Bible. Look at, look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. They're really confident in God, but then look at this next verse. But even if he doesn't, I mean, we camp out on this part for quite a while, I think. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king. And he, you know, the respect that Daniel displayed is a similar respect that you're seeing here. We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. And he ordered the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Look at verse 20. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, because they're dressed up in the Babylonian garb, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Such a powerful scene. It's essentially Jonathan saying, we need to move forward in faith and perhaps God will act on our behalf. Perhaps. They're saying, look, 
We know our God's going to take care of us, but even if he doesn't, we still trust him with our lives. We trust him. This is real faith. It's not sight. It's, it's faith. God, and then if you read the story, God rescued them from the situation. God provided protection just as he did to Daniel in the lion's den, miraculously. See, Daniel, Paul, David, Jonathan, all of these people, they had legendary faith. Hebrews 11.6, and we keep coming back to this verse in this whole series, and in our vision nights for advanced horizontal. And without faith, Hebrews 11.6, it is impossible to please God. There's no other way to live, essentially. The faith life is the only way to really, truly live. Which is why Paul wrote this to another church, 2 Corinthians 5.7, we walk or we live by faith, not by sight. This is a declaration of how the church of Jesus is to live. We walk by faith. We're people of faith, not sight. Walking by sight in life, it tends to lead to just weak, well, it, it creates weak people with unfulfilled lives. At the end of our time on earth, we look back and we say, and I really didn't, I didn't live the life, the full life that God wanted me to live, that he called me to live. But by walking in faith, that, that, opens up what life is truly all about. We walk by faith, not by sight. What a joy it is to walk in faith all these years together. It, it really is. It's been so encouraging to see God's faithful hand over our church these past 12 years. Actually, today, happy anniversary, everybody. It's, 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 our, actual, it's our 12 year anniversary today. So happy anniversary. <laughs> fun today, this morning I was able to text a buddy of mine who's also, uh, Ridgeview Church is celebrating their one year anniversary. We've been a part, major part and partner in Ridgeview Church launching and sending teams to help uh, in North Fontana. But it's our anniversary, it's their anniversary, it's just been such a joy to watch God's hand. We had our grand opening as a church 12 years ago, February the 10th actually, 2008 at Amelia Earhart Middle School. Just a few blocks from here, here's a picture of our grand opening and it was it was really exciting launch Sunday. Uh, my family and I and our launch team, we never could have imagined all that God had planned for us as Orange Crest Community Church. It's been such a joy. Uh, there, there have been many, many high points in the journey. There's been some low points along the way, difficulties, triumphs, mourning, celebrations. Uh, but through it all, we can just say, God, you have been so, so faithful. And God really has allowed us to as a group, to advance towards some things that are far beyond us. He's drawn us into a much deeper pool of faith. And our dependence on him has had to grow as we keep taking steps forward through the years. And he's been so kind to allow us to to join him in this. And many of you and your families have prayerfully been working through a really significant process over the last few weeks called Advanced Horizontal. Uh, and and so if if you've come really prepared to uh, to offer a pledge this morning, uh, you've been wrestling then with this and praying through this. And really, it's been something we've wanted you to do with the Lord and, and your spouse or your family. And just be praying and seeking God and asking God, what do you want us to do with this opportunity? And so maybe you've really wrestled and you've landed today and, and you're ready to pledge a commitment in faith to the Lord. And we've been so encouraged to hear story after story of how God has used this whole season of seeking God and growing our, our generosity as a church. Because this has, in fact, really been Him growing our people. And everything we, we've been saying and doing over the past five weeks 
has really been in preparation for this service right here. And so we're going to provide a special time for you, if, if you're ready to, to participate in this, to offer your pledge. And our hope is that this is actually a time of worship and an act of worship to the Lord, because we trust that he's been the one leading you through this process. John mentioned earlier that inside the program, uh, there are these advanced pledge cards. It's a, it's a little long sheet, and you can see it in there. And if you would like to pledge and uh, you've been processing it still, and, and today you sense, you know, I, I'm ready to do this. Uh, I, I assume, or I imagine most people probably have already been praying and, and have come with that prepared, but if you're on the fence and you're, you're still at a point where you're wrestling through it and you'd like to participate, you certainly can. You can fill out that pledge card right now. You can drop it into the advance. There's a specific advance horizontal envelope. And But we want this to be a time of worship because we trust that God has been the one leading you through this process and that he is the one ultimately that uh, as you offer a pledge or, or, or resources, you're offering that as a sacrifice to him. And he is pleased with sacrifice no matter the amount. Uh, so this is a very special, it's a holy moment for us as a congregation to respond to God. So here's what we're going to do. We place some boxes up here at the front. This is pretty different for us, but we place some boxes up here at the front. And they're just under the screen. And the worship team is going to be playing. And we're going to ask you to first just pray. Um, and so pray before you make your pledge. If your spouse is here, uh, pray together and, and commit this time to the Lord. And commit your offering or your pledge to the Lord if that's what you're prepared to do. You don't have to do that. But if you're prepared to do it, then we want to invite you to do that. Uh, so first pray. Next, slip, you know, slip that card in the, in the advance envelope and you can, you can bring it up front. Uh, if you came prepared to give an initial gift, uh, an upfront gift, you can put that in there as well. And, and then just offer it right there in the basket, drop it in there and then just head back to your seat and return and just, you can worship with the rest of us. And so this should be a time of just worship and, and, and offering. And so, um, if you're a guest here this morning and you're wondering what what's going on at the back, there is an advanced uh, table and there's packets back there. Feel free to pick one up on your way out today if you want to learn more about what our church is involved in and what we're doing. There's a lot of info you can read through it. And so let, let me pray as we get started. Father, thank you so much for your for your faithfulness on our on our lives and over our church. Thank you, Lord, for uh, providing for this time, God protecting this time from our minds being distracted. Uh, Father, we, we honor you. And these offerings, Lord, are uh, ultimately, they're, uh, we're offering these to you. We know that this, this offering is for something in the future, for people uh, to be reached in the future, for buildings to be built in the future. Um, and Father, we just trust that this marathon is, uh, we want to respond to what you're saying to us as individuals, as families. And so, uh, I pray that right now as we as we pray together and pray as individuals or as families, uh, that you'd be speaking to us, Lord, encouraging us, leading us forward, God. Uh, not just in this area of generosity, but in all areas, God. And so we commit this time to you. You, you know the, the, the goals that we've set and the plans that we've made, but Lord, your word says that you direct it all. And so, Father, we trust you, God, with the outcome of all of this. And in, and in a few weeks, when the dust settles, Lord, we'll praise you for all that you did and for all that what, what you've uh, shown us, God, through this journey. We love you. We offer you this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey guys, what an incredible journey we've been on, right? And me and Christina are just really happy to have hosted this with you guys. And great really is our Lord. He really has led us and I've really enjoyed seeing his goodness and seeing how perhaps he did lead us. As Josh said today, and really he has. And so I'm looking forward to walking this journey with you guys over the next 24 months and even several months. Even, hey, God blesses us 50 years plus more in ministry together here in the city of Riverside. Amen. So we love you guys, and we really look forward to this. Yeah, Scott, this has just been such an incredible journey to be on together as a church family. And so many of you have contributed, not only financially, but with your time and your talents and your efforts to even some events and experiences that we've had throughout this season of Advanced Horizontal. So it's just been such a joy to come together as a church family. And we're so excited to see what comes from today. So in two weeks, on February 23rd, we're going to announce the total of all that was pledged today. And I'm sure we'll all be really eager to hear what that number is. And just so you know, if you're still praying and thinking through a pledge, that's okay. There's still time to give. And a couple of ways that you can do that, you can mail in your pledge. And there's, like um, Scott mentioned, there's that pledge card in your program. You can mail that pledge card in. You can bring it with you next week in service, or we even have an option to pledge online on our website. So this this is not the end of the journey. This is actually just the beginning. We're really excited to keep you guys updated over the next 24 months through in-service, through social media, just to see all the ways that God is using your pledges to make a difference. So we're so excited to keep you guys updated. Let's pray. Join me in prayer. Lord, we just love you. And Lord, we want to love you more with our whole hearts, our soul, our mind, our might, everything in us, Lord. So draw us close to you, Lord. Whether it's an experience like this, um, trying to collectively gather together and move towards a vision that you've given us, Lord, or it's other ways in our lives, Lord, through our pain, through our prosperity, Lord, through trials, through celebrations, Lord, you do not waste an opportunity to grow us, to be more mature. And Lord, I just praise you. Great are you, God, for your accessible all-sufficiency in life, God. Your word is real. You are our God. You are real. You go before us. You lead us. We can, like Jonathan, trust and follow you. So, Lord, perhaps you will help us accomplish this goal. And we really ask you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.